Psalm 107. Psalm 107 and the first verse of that psalm. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. The historical context of this psalm is Israel's deliverance from captivity in Babylon. God has shown mercy to the rebellious nation, miraculously restoring them to their homeland. After 70 years in captivity, and despite all their former disobedience and idolatry, God now graciously brings them back into the promised land because he is long-suffering and it is his nature to be merciful. If men repent of their sin from the heart, he longs to bestow mercy. This psalm may well have been sung at the opening of the rebuilt temple in 516 BC. The people rejoice that God is merciful and that he is once more dwelling in their midst and watching over them for their good. Verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So the people are praising God for their redeemed status. The Lord has intervened mightily in the affairs of the nations on Israel's behalf. He has moved the heart of the Persian emperor to restore the Jews to their own land. The Persians have even given financial and military aid to facilitate the people's return. Persia has conquered Israel's great enemy Babylon. They were the ones who had taken the people into captivity 70 years earlier. Now, this is the second great act of release from captivity in Israel's history. The first being that of the release from Egyptian slavery. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6 concerning Egypt. I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. And I will take you to me for a people. Now to redeem is to release from slavery, prison or other indebtedness. To redeem is to set free by the payment of a ransom. 
in the case of the redemption from Egypt, the ransom price was the shed blood of the Passover lamb. In the case of redemption from Babylon, the ransom price was banishment from the promised land for 70 years to satisfy God's perfect justice. In both cases, the ransom was paid, justice was done, and then God chose to be merciful. Now what it is vital for us to understand is that Israel's deliverance from both Egypt and Babylon represents the true and ultimate deliverance which the Lord Jesus Christ bestows on all who turn from sin and put their faith in him. God has provided the required ransom price that men might be redeemed from their slavery and captivity to sin. God has required the ransom price in the death of his son, the true Passover lamb. Those who come to Jesus Christ are brought into what the Old Testament land prefigured. It prefigured the heavenly Canaan the spiritual kingdom of God. Now our Lord says of himself in Matthew 20 and verse 28, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. All non-believers All non-Christians today are living in a spiritual Egypt, a spiritual Babylon. They are slaves to sin. They are under the sway of the God of this world, Satan. But the Lord Jesus Christ has come to give his life as a ransom price for many. His death on the cross is that ransom in order to release men from the captivity to sin. He is the true Passover lamb who died bearing the penalty for the sins of the world. And so, as the Apostle Paul tells us, 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. 
for all out of every nation. And this great salvation in Jesus Christ, the ransom, is foreshadowed and made known throughout the Old Testament scriptures. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into this world as the world's saviour is the culmination and fulfilment of all that the Old Testament has been teaching. Verse 3 of this psalm states, And the Lord gathered them out of the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, So the Lord not only delivered the Jews from their captivity in Babylon, which was in the east, but also the other scattered Jews living in the other lands, if they wanted to return. Sadly, many of them did not choose to return. And so here was deliverance for the Jews scattered in Egypt to the south and in Europe and Asia Minor to the north and west. With the decree of Cyrus, these also are now returning to the land of promise, for God has opened up the way. So we read at the beginning of the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, saying, The Lord God of heaven hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem. And he goes on, Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem and build the house of the Lord. Now the Lord then had stirred up this man Cyrus, one of the most powerful men on the face of the earth, who was not a believer in the one true God, but the Lord used him to aid the people's return to the promised land teaching us that the omnipotent God controls the hearts of rulers. He can do with them as he wishes. The people had been much humbled by the Babylonian captivity. And they had cried out to God to acknowledge their sin. Therefore, the Lord, because the people had cried out to them, confessing that they had strayed, therefore the Lord now delights to show mercy. And so the Lord orders the affairs of the great world empire of the day to facilitate Israel's return to the land. Now we read... 
of the Israelites in verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. The captives in Babylon had been, as we have said, under God's judgment. They were separated from the temple worship in Jerusalem. Indeed, the temple had been completely destroyed. Now, this banishment of the captivity was like wandering in a desolate wilderness. They had spurned their protector. They were wandering in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. And this is a very apt picture of all who are without faith in Jesus Christ today. They are captives in spiritual Babylon, having no secure dwelling place, living a wilderness existence, cut off from the means of salvation and everlasting life. What a miserable situation it is not to be a Christian. If only people would realise how insecure this world really is. What more evidence does the unbeliever need? Look at the world. Now, right now. How insecure it is. It's a Babylon. Now why were the people taken into captivity initially? We are told in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 4. Our sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, they have forsaken the Lord. That passage goes on, the whole head is sick, the whole heart faint, from the sole of the foot, even unto the head there is no soundness in it, but wounds and Bruises and putrefying sores. That is how God describes a whole nation. Sick from head to foot. Full of putrefying sores. That is a description of Britain. Today. This was why Judah was taken into captivity. What is going to happen to our nation unless we repent? We cannot presume upon freedom from war. We cannot presume upon ongoing Prosperity and life is good here. That's why half the world wants to come and live here. 
But what a dangerous situation we are in. How dangerous it is to defy the one true God who manifests himself in Jesus Christ. Now we read of the captives in Babylon in verse 5 here. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. A description of the captives away from their homeland. But also a description of all who are in spiritual Babylon right now without faith in Jesus Christ. Hungry, thirsty, their soul fainted in them. What a desperate situation it is not to be a Christian. No sustenance for their souls. Dying from spiritual hunger and thirst. Soon to pass into an eternal death and condemnation. There is nothing clever about being an atheist. There is nothing clever about sitting on the fence with regards to the things of God. There is nothing clever about embracing the legitimacy of all faiths. Because without Jesus Christ, men are hungry and thirsty. Their soul faints in them. Verse 6 Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses. The exiles in Babylon knew that they were under the judgment of God. They realized their desperate plight. Some of them, of course, not all. And so they cried out to God for mercy. Longing to be restored to fellowship with him. Now as we have said here in this psalm. In these historical events. Real history of course we're talking about here. In these events. We have the very pattern. For Christian conversion. Verse 6. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses. Men must realize the awful dying predicament which their sin and unbelief have placed them in. People without faith in Christ must realize that they are not free. They are captives in a spiritual Babylon. The kingdom of this world. They are in prison. You're not free without Christ. We have to tell them that. They're slaves to fashion. What are all my friends doing? Oh, I've got to do the same thing. That's how so many young people think. 
It's a slavery. But God is gracious. He works upon men's hearts. The Holy Spirit convicts men of their sin. But there must be a right response to that. There must be a crying out for deliverance to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what did the Apostle Peter say on the day of Pentecost? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's what people today have to do. They have to call on the name of the Lord to be delivered from their slavery to sin and their slavery to the philosophies of this world. Modern Britain is totally captive to all the anti-Christian philosophies of cultural Marxism. That's the prism through which everything is viewed. It's a slavery. All have a great burden of guilt upon their backs because they have broken God's commandments. But the Lord Jesus Christ declares, Matthew 11 verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Every single non-Christian is dwelling in Babylon, labouring under captivity to sin and to Satan. All then must flee to Jesus Christ, because there is no other deliverer from the kingdom of this world. The Christian gospel then is a call to get out of Babylon. This whole anti-Christian world system. Do not be deceived by the world system. Do not be deceived by the United Nations. The World Economic Forum. The World Health Organization. It's all part of the system. We have to get out of Babylon. Revelation 18 verse 2. Babylon the great is fallen. Is fallen as is become the habitation of devils. All nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Now when the Apostle John was writing the book of Revelation, the Babylonian world system was exemplified by the Roman Empire. which under the Emperor Nero in AD 64 began a vicious persecution of the Christians. But again we see 
how Old Testament Babylon symbolizes the whole unbelieving world and its anti-Christian philosophies. We live in a world which idolizes science, but it's usually only one particular avenue of science. There's no open debate. We live in a world which tells us there is a climate change emergency, when in fact carbon dioxide is just 0.04% of the Earth's atmosphere. There isn't a climate change emergency. But our world, the system, Babylon, tells us that there is. All nations have imbibed Babylon's intoxicating errors. Now, who is behind Babylon? It is Satan himself, the God of this world, by whom all without Christ are blinded, whether they realize it or not. When our Lord was approaching the cross, he said this, Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Through his death, a way has been opened up for men to escape from Satan's hold over them. God in his mercy has provided a way of release from Babylon's arid wilderness existence. So what does the Lord Jesus Christ say? What is his message to the world? John 6 verse 35 I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. This world is falling apart. It's becoming an increasingly polarized world. It's a world which has turned its back on God. And particularly the Western nations, which essentially used to have solidly Christian foundations. But the whole civilization of the West is now crumbling before our eyes. Why? Because we have left the God of the Scriptures. We have embraced cultural Marxism instead. So now, the great religion of the day is human rights, equality, inclusiveness, embrace diversity. That's not Christianity. We live in a nation where if you're a Christian, in education or the public sector, you can lose your job simply for 
affirming biblical principles. That's the kind of nation we live in. Thankfully, all is not lost. Because as we read in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now the psalmist says of the Lord here in verse 7, He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. The Lord brought the exiles back from Babylon to the promised land. The Persian emperor Cyrus ensured that they had a safe passage. God in his providence opened up the way of return and Jerusalem and the temple were rebuilt. God was re-establishing his presence amongst the people. But these things are not ends in themselves. The temple was destroyed again in AD 70. And so the return to the land and the rebuilding of the temple was not the final goal. This is all pointing forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who believe in him today are brought out of captivity and brought into what the promised land prefigures, the heavenly Canaan, which is a safe city, a secure habitation. Where in this world is there a safe city? and a secure habitation. Is there any place on earth? No. It's in the heavenly Canaan. Which brings us to that reading we had earlier on, again from Revelation. Revelation 21 verse 1, John says, I, I John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Then moving on in that chapter to verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light of it. However, we then read in verse 27, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. The heavenly Jerusalem is only inhabited by those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That is, those who have repented of sin and trusted in Jesus Christ. To believe in Jesus Christ is to become a citizen of the heavenly Jerusalem. 
the kingdom of God, which our Lord said is not of this world. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is to escape from Satan's domain. This is not an earthly kingdom with a sun and a moon, but a spiritual kingdom. The only way to enter into it is through repentance from sin and faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Passover Lamb. We read in verse 8 here, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Uh, this, verse 8, tells us, of course, this, the implication behind this verse is that so often men do not do that. They are not prone to praise God. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. If only they would confess their sin and come to Christ for mercy. They would then taste and see that the Lord is good. But so few are actually prepared to do this. To acknowledge God as their maker and as the one who sustains their life let alone as the one who saves their souls for all eternity. Now this verse may also be directly addressed to God's people rescued out of Babylon. They can be the men being referred to in this verse. Oh, that Israel would not only confess to the Lord his great goodness, but that they would also confess to all the world, to the children of men, his wonderful works. In other words, we have an exhortation to the returned captives, not only to praise God, but to exhort the Gentiles to worship the same God as well. All need to submit to the God of all power. Now, applying this, of course, to our own day. This applies equally to our day. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. It's the Trinitarian God who's putting the food on your table every single day, we say to every non-Christian. Oh, that you would praise your maker for giving you life. Now those who have come to Christ, and who have experienced his new life in their hearts, they of course must then confess his wonderful works to all the unbelievers around them. That's what we are called to do. We cannot keep silent as Christians. The psalmist says of the Lord in verse 9, 
He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Now this longing for food and nourishment carries on the metaphor of verse 4 of being lost in an arid wilderness. This again is a description of the people's captivity in Babylon. Becoming a Christian involves a longing to be cleansed and a longing to be holy and a longing to be released from spiritual Babylon. And so the process of becoming a Christian is a painful process. You see, this is why the gospel is not just Jesus loves you so you can stop worrying about anything. No, the gospel is first and foremost a warning that men must repent. And this is why our Lord says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they that mourn over their sins, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What is the condition of everyone without Christ today? Verses 10 and 11 tell us. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned, despised the counsel of the Most High. Why did the people go into captivity in Babylon? Because they rejected the word of God. And this is the predicament of all non-believers today. They are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. But our God is powerful to save all who cry out to him for mercy. So our task is to tell people around us today that they are captives in Babylon and they must get out of Babylon. They must be released from their slavery to sin and the devil and the fashions of this world. The only one who can break the chains of the unbeliever's captivity is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why our task is to tell all around us the urgency of fleeing to him, the only saviour of sinners. Amen.